Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fontan with a Future podcast. My name is Taylor, and I'm a medical student living with a single ventricle heart. Join me as I explain Fontan physiology, explore new congenital heart disease research, and share about my experience as a patient and doctor in training. In this episode, I will be talking about the physiology of pregnancy in a Fontan patient, important risks and considerations before you get pregnant, and safe birth control options for women with Fontan circulation who do not wish to get pregnant at this time. Before we begin, the information in this podcast is not medical advice. It's important to consult your physician before making medical and lifestyle decisions that may affect your health. Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of the Fontan with the Future podcast. I'm super excited to talk about this next topic, pregnancy, because I think it's something that a lot of women my age have tons of questions about, and I think new research continues to emerge showing that our initial preconceptions about pregnancy in a Fontan patient may not always be true. I want to preface this episode by acknowledging that pregnancy can be a very sensitive topic for women with Fontan circulation or other types of CHD. I know of many women who have explicitly been told by their doctor that becoming pregnant would not be an option due to their personal circulation and physiology. For those of you who have been told this, I am truly very sorry. I know for other women, this topic is filled with lots of uncertainty. They may or may not have received a green light to go ahead and get pregnant, but there are still many risks and scary things to think about down the road. Getting pregnant, regardless of whether or not you have Fontan circulation, is never 100% risk-free. Even for women with a fully functioning heart, there are still risks and complications that can arise. Obviously, these risks and complications are increased by the presence of Fontan circulation, but they are not necessarily new and novel things. I hope to offer everyone some information for those of you who are weighing your options and also make sure that women who have specifically been told not to get pregnant are aware of their different birth control options as well as other ways to still be a parent. While traditional wisdom and recommendations have centered around the idea that women with Fontan circulation should never get pregnant, I've been so encouraged and excited by the growing ranks of women who have actually been able to have safe and successful pregnancies with healthy children. And I'm not talking even about just one child, but many. I'm excited to see the body of research and literature continue to grow. Unfortunately, many of the studies we have access to at this point have very small sample sizes or very small groups of women that are included. I will share with you numbers and percentages today that reflect these studies, but I want to share with a caveat that these may not necessarily be reflective of your own personal risks and outcomes. 
there's still a lot more data collection and analysis that needs to be done. I also want to offer a second caveat that I personally have not been pregnant before. Some of the testing and checkups that I'll talk about that may occur during pregnancy are simply things that I've gleaned from the literature and doing research. I know there are many women out there with Fontan circulation who would be excellent resources for those of you who might be interested in getting pregnant and would like to know more specific details about their personal experiences. I can't speak to my own experience, but I can just offer you what I've read and heard from others. To begin, I want to first talk about some of the many physiological changes that occur during pregnancy and how they impact the Fontan circulation. Obviously, we know that the body undergoes tons and tons of different changes when a woman is pregnant, but there are specific ones that can cause some extra strain on the heart or raise risk for things like blood clots and other concerns. One of the first major changes that happens in the body are changes in hormone levels. When you get pregnant, the levels of estrogen and progesterone in your body continue to increase in order to ensure the continual growth of the fetus inside of you. Estrogen also will increase your risk of developing blood clots. This is true even in women without CHD. However, we know that women with Fontan circulation are at baseline already at higher risk of blood clots due to how their circulation works. So this raises concern and typically will prompt doctors to place women with Fontan circulation on anticoagulation, which I'll talk more about later. The increase of progesterone specifically can also cause women to breathe more frequently and maybe even feel a little bit short of breath. This doesn't necessarily mean that they're not getting enough oxygen or anything like that. It just increases the respiration rate, which for some women can be slightly uncomfortable. During pregnancy, there also is a lot of vasodilation caused in part by the hormonal changes. Vasodilation decreases some of the systemic vascular resistance or the type of vasoconstriction that happens in your arteries, which the blood has to pump against. While this might make it easier for your heart to pump blood out, the vasodilation can decrease venous return to the heart because there's not as much pressure in the vessels forcing the blood to return to the heart. As I've mentioned in lots of my other podcasts, Fontan circulation has passive venous return, meaning that blood has to return to the heart against gravity with no pumping chamber helping move that blood along to get to the lungs. This can cause fluid retention or maybe even edema or swelling in the lower legs. We see this even in women who don't have Fontan circulation. However, if you can imagine, this already compounds some of the issues we already see with the Fontan circulation, making things a little bit more challenging. Another major thing that occurs during pregnancy is the increase of blood volume. Blood volume can expand up to 35 or even 40%, meaning the amount of liquid flowing through your vessels gets a lot 
larger. This can put a strain on the heart because now the heart has a lot more blood it has to move around the body or a bigger load that it has to propel. Sometimes this can even cause symptoms of palpitation, dizziness, or decreased exercise tolerance. It's important that we have good blood volume to make sure that we're distributing enough nutrients and blood to the growing baby inside of us. But sometimes too much volume can give the heart a lot of extra work. Along with this increase in blood volume, we tend to see a decrease in hemoglobin. This is because while our blood gains more fluid volume, it doesn't necessarily catch up to add more hemoglobin or the proteins that carry oxygen in our blood. This can cause anemia. Anemia is very common even in women without Fontan circulation. And it tends to peak usually in like the second trimester where the blood volume is at its greatest before the body can catch up and produce extra hemoglobin. Again, being anemic can cause feelings of fatigue, shortness of breath, and the like. And due to the fact that many Fontan patients tend to have a low blood oxygenation level at baseline and typically make more hemoglobin than the average person means that Fontan patients can be extra sensitive to these changes in blood hemoglobin levels. A lot of times women will need to take an iron supplement to ensure that their body has enough materials to keep making hemoglobin. Some other issues that arise that can change how a woman feels when she's pregnant is first and foremost the enlarging uterus. Obviously, we know that a woman's stomach grows as her baby grows, but an enlarging uterus over time can decrease the ability for the lungs to expand as it starts to press up on the diaphragm and some of those lower organs, especially during the third trimester when the uterus is at its largest. This can make it more difficult to get a deep breath. And again, combined with all the hormonal changes and some of the anemia, This can cause women to feel short of breath. It can also make it more difficult for blood to return to the heart. The enlarged uterus can press up against the inferior vena cava, which is the really big vessel that delivers most of the lower body venous blood to the heart. Like we said earlier, Fontan patients already struggle with venous return. So this added pressure can make that process even more difficult. Finally, one of the last changes that can occur and impact any woman who's pregnant are the GI motility changes or the changes in how the gastrointestinal tract works. Due to some of the hormones and changes in the body, sometimes the GI tract can slow down a little bit. This can cause nausea and vomiting, which we especially see in the first trimester. Obviously, nobody does well or feels good when they're nauseous and throwing up, but Fontan patients can be especially sensitive to dehydration, as well as electrolyte imbalances that may occur if patients vomit a lot. 
It's important for special attention to be paid to Fontan patients who might be especially nauseous or vomiting a lot during their first trimester to ensure that they still have adequate blood volume to circulate nutrients and oxygen to their body as well as their baby. Now that we talked about some of the physiological changes that occur during pregnancy, I'm going to transition and talk about some of the considerations and things that doctors think about when a patient is interested in getting pregnant with Fontan circulation. Every care center is a little bit different when it comes to treating patients with Fontan who want to reproduce. I think it's incredibly important to speak with your cardiologist and be really open about your interest if you desire to have a child. Some care centers are better equipped than others to support women who want to get pregnant. Large centers that see tons of patients may have more resources and experiences to support you in your pregnancy journey. If you've talked to your cardiologist and he or she was very uncertain or cautious about you becoming pregnant, I would definitely recommend potentially seeking out a second opinion, especially if the care center you are at is small or doesn't have as much experience with CHD patients. Typically, your cardiologist will want to run some tests before you get pregnant. Obviously, sometimes we get pregnant and it's a surprise. And in that case, there's other things we can do. But if you aren't pregnant yet and you're interested in becoming pregnant, usually your cardiologist will want to make sure they're getting an echocardiogram or an ultrasound of the heart, a stress test to see how your heart does under exertion when you're exercising, and maybe even a cardiac catheterization, depending on the information they get from those tests. Along with that, your cardiologist may also want to get a liver ultrasound if you haven't gotten one recently to make sure that everything appears stable within the liver. And if you are someone who has been told that you have elevated liver portal pressures or elevated pressures in the liver vasculature, your cardiologist may also want you to get an esophagogastroduodenoscopy or an EGD. This is when they put a small camera down your esophagus into your stomach to make sure that there are no esophageal or gastric varices or outpouching of vessels that can occur when there is high pressures in your liver. Once these tests are performed, along with some routine blood work, your doctor may or may not give you the green light that they are okay to support you through a pregnancy. Sometimes doctors will want to do some fine tuning of the heart before they feel comfortable with you getting pregnant. This could include things like tweaking some medications if you have a heart arrhythmia or rhythm issue. This could also even be more dramatic things like performing a valve replacement or other types of interventions to ensure that all the mechanics of the heart are working at peak performance. They will also have you discontinue certain medications like ACE inhibitors which are known to be teratogenic or cause issues and damage to the fetus. There are a few conditions that are contraindications to pregnancy 
or mean that they are conditions that are not compatible with a woman becoming pregnant. This includes things like people with majorly decreased cardiac outputs or people whose ventricles do not contract effectively enough to propel blood and circulate the body well. Women who have been told that they are in heart failure or have a decreased ejection fraction most likely fall into this group. Also, if women have multiple organ failures, severe liver issues, or conditions like protein-losing enteropathy or plastic bronchitis, these women would also not be candidates for pregnancy. The strain on their body would likely be too much given their other medical conditions. There are a couple complications or issues women might have that are not direct contraindications to becoming pregnant. These include things like history of blood clot or thromboembolism, arrhythmias, and mild to moderate ventricular dysfunction, or perhaps slightly decreased ejection fraction. While this medical history definitely raises some concerns to you getting pregnant, They do not 100% mean that getting pregnant would be an incredibly dangerous thing for you. After you become pregnant, you typically will be paired with a maternal fetal medicine doctor or an OBGYN that specifically works with women who have high-risk pregnancies. Along with this doctor, you will see your cardiologist routinely during your pregnancy to monitor your heart function. As I mentioned earlier, different centers handle pregnancy and Fontan patients different ways. Typically though, you will have interval check-ins with your cardiologist to do echoes as well as measure lab work. And you will also have regular check-ins with your OBGYN. During pregnancy, women with Fontan will usually be on aspirin as well as have to administer Lovenox injections. This is an anticoagulant medication that is really important for preventing any blood clots. Usually between 20 and 22 weeks, women will undergo a fetal echo to ensure that their baby's heart is healthy. As the time nears towards the end of their pregnancy, they will also come up with a delivery plan and establish with the hospital where they will deliver their child. Typically, doctors want women to deliver by 37 weeks of pregnancy. During pregnancy, there are a variety of risks and complications that can arise. It's first and foremost important to note that there is a high incidence of miscarriage within the Fontan patient population. In one study that looked at over 250 women, about 54% of them suffered some type of miscarriage, with the most common type being a spontaneous miscarriage, usually within the first or second trimester. While doctors aren't 100% sure why miscarriages occur, they believe a lot of it has to do with the lower blood oxygen levels in a Fontan patient, as well as some irregularities within the placenta. Just because you have one miscarriage does not mean that your body won't necessarily be able to handle having a baby, but it is something really important to be aware of as you plan getting pregnant. 
Some other complications that can occur during your pregnancy include things like arrhythmias. Again, in the study that looked at over 250 women, about 8.4% of them developed some type of arrhythmia, and most common was usually a supraventricular tachycardia, or an extra fast heart rate. This is commonly caused by some of the hormones and increased blood volume in the body, and most commonly happens during the third trimester. Fortunately, many of these women were responsive to either medications or even ablations. There were also a few rare cases of bradycardia or slow heart rate that required a pacemaker, but that really only happened in one or two women. Another rare but important complication that occurred in about 3.9% of women was heart failure. Again, heart failure is a very rare complication that occurs, and it can even occur in women who do not have CHD and are pregnant. Usually it occurs in the third trimester or even postpartum after the baby is delivered. And it's caused most likely by the increased blood volume that we talked about earlier. Fortunately, the majority of women with Fontan circulation who are pregnant typically have very healthy ventricular function that will return to normal after their child is delivered. But this is another very rare but critical complication to be aware of. One of the other complications that I mentioned earlier is the risk of a blood clot. Like I said, the hormone levels in the body can cause blood clots, and we give medication to try to ensure that this does not happen. We still have a really small amount of data on this, and it's uncertain how many women actually experience this during pregnancy, but again, another thing to be aware of. As women near their delivery date, it's important to note that prematurity occurs at an increased rate in women with Fontan circulation. In fact, in that same study that I had noted before, about 59% of the women had premature deliveries or delivered their baby earlier than 37 weeks. Some of these women delivered early due to concerns about their health and therefore were induced beforehand. Others went into spontaneous premature labor. Doctors think that this might be partially caused by some uterine insufficiency or, again, those low blood oxygen levels that increase the stress on the baby and cause women to go into labor earlier. Along with the risk of prematurity, a lot of women with Fontan circulation tend to have small babies. Studies have recorded that between 30 to 60% of women with Fontan circulation will have babies that are considered small for gestational age, or below the 10th percentile of weight for their age. There's also an elevated risk of intrauterine growth restriction, which means due to the condition of the placenta, and the supplies being delivered to the baby, the baby is unable to grow as much as anticipated. Despite these complications with the baby, many women are still able to have successful births. Sometimes babies will require a stay in the neonatal intensive care unit for extra monitoring. 
but I know many women who, despite that, have still taken home healthy children from the hospital. When it comes to delivery, doctors prefer that women try to deliver vaginally. Delivering vaginally decreases some of the bleeding risk associated with C-section. However, it requires that women who desire an epidural have careful, slow titration. Unfortunately, a lot of women may need a C-section. I've read some papers that say C-section can occur in 60-80% to of cases due to the premature nature of delivery for many of these women. Sometimes when labor is induced as opposed to happening naturally, it can be difficult for women to progress along in a quick manner to have their baby. Also, there were several cases reported of the baby being breech or in other unfavorable positions for vaginal delivery. It's important to note that because women with Fontan are on anticoagulation, they are at increased risk of having a postpartum hemorrhage or having lots of bleeding. Women need to be monitored closely for 72 hours after delivery to ensure that there's no episodes of bleeding. Typically, a type and screen will be performed to make sure that blood is on hand in case a woman would need a blood transfusion. One major question that comes up a lot is whether or not women with Fontan circulation are at increased risk of passing along CHD to their children. While CHD is not necessarily linked to a single gene, there are certainly genetic conditions that women have, like for instance, Marfan syndrome, Noonan's, Williams, and others that are autosomal dominant and can be transmitted to a child. However, for women like myself who don't necessarily have an underlying genetic condition, we are still at a 5 to 10% increased risk of transmitting these defects to our babies. While the mechanism is not fully understood, doctors again take care to make sure they're monitoring the baby's heart as well as the mother's. Now that I've discussed pregnancy, I want to take a brief moment to also talk about different birth control options for women who are either unable to get pregnant or who are not able to get pregnant at this time. As I mentioned earlier, estrogen can increase the risk of blood clots, and women with Fontan circulation are already at an increased risk for developing clots. Therefore, there are some restrictions in the type of birth control we can take. Birth control pills, patches, rings, and a few other products carry estrogen and therefore should not be used in patients with Fontan circulation. Typically, it's recommended that we only use options that have just progesterone or options that are non-hormonal. Progesterone-only options include things like the mini pill, IUDs or devices that go within the uterus, as well as Nexplanon, which is a small, thin rod that's actually placed in the skin of the upper arm. While many of these options work very well, and actually Nexplanon is one of the most effective methods of birth control, progesterone-only products can increase the risk of spotting or irregular bleeding between periods. So sometimes this can become annoying and bothersome to deal with. A non-hormonal option includes a copper IUD, 
which is a device inserted into the uterus that is made out of copper and causes an inflammatory reaction in the uterus, which prevents implantation in pregnancy. While this is also a very effective method of birth control, it can actually increase bleeding and cramps during the period. Of course, there are additional methods of birth control like condoms and barrier methods, but it's really important to have a very reliable form of birth control to ensure that there will be no unwanted pregnancies or dangerous situations in which you become pregnant and your body is not prepared. It's important to speak with your cardiologist or an OBGYN who's aware of your heart condition to weigh your options when it comes to birth control. I know we've covered a lot of information today and I just wanna leave everyone with a few things. First and foremost, pregnancy can be challenging and filled with many complications. However, as the patient population of Fontan women continues to grow, we are finding more and more that women are able to do far better than we could have ever imagined when the Fontan surgery was first developed. I hope that we will continue getting good data that will guide physicians on how to best counsel patients and help them through safe pregnancies. I also want to note that carrying your own child is not the only way to become a parent. And I know of many Fontan patients who have either adopted children or used gestational carriers to make their dream of becoming a mother come true. I hope that even if your doctor has advised you to not become pregnant, that you will look into some of these other options to find a way to still have a family. I encourage Fontan patients everywhere to advocate for themselves and be clear about their desires to have a family with their physician. At the end of the day, you are in charge. And if it's your desire to have a family, I want you to push for that and to find safe options that will work for you. Never let a doctor tell you that you can or cannot do something without making sure that you get second opinions and you're doing your own research on the side. While pregnancy may not be the most healthy or risk-free thing to pursue, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't pursue it or that the option is off the table. I'm so excited for my many fellow heart warriors who are currently pregnant or who are looking into becoming pregnant or starting a family through adoption or surrogacy. While life with CHD and Fontan circulation is full of challenges, don't allow these challenges to prevent you from starting a family and pursuing your dreams for the future. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fontan with the Future podcast. My name is Taylor, and I hope you will join me next week to hear more about CHD. If you want to reach out or learn more, follow me at Fontaine with the Future on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again. Hope to have you listening next week.